This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Robin, ruins, Logan Murdoch, Raja Bell, ruins after dark. What, what do we? How do you say it, Ron? How you say it? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> late, man. <laughs> bro, are you good, dog? Is it Raja after dark with Raja on that dark, bro? Are you good? How you doing, uh, man? A little of both, man. I'm well. I'm well. The whole the family's passing around this this damn like. I don't know, upper respiratory thing, man. Not COVID. We got tested and all of that. But, you know, I got one in preschool and one in elementary. So it's hard to avoid shit like that. But, yeah, we're we're doing well, bro, aside from that. You locked in. Your weekend was all right other than that? How was your weekend? Weekend was good, bro. Weekend was good. Just, you know, doing what we do. Watching games in the gym with kids. Generally just, you know, consumed with basketball this time of year. Logan, yourself? Um, I went to uh, it's prom season, as you know. You got some, you got some, um, you got some teenage, some teenagers over there. I went to go see my little, um, my little cousin. See him off to uh, to prom, and it was, it was. I felt old, and also like this is pretty cool. You know, I for I, it was good to see. It was different to see it from this point of view, being a little older, right. and you know, going back to see. It it was just very fun. It was very hilarious because when we was um, at this intersection in Richmond, um, like this was like a neighborhood and stuff like that. Um, we were, <laughs> they blocked all the, all the kids blocked off the street so the parents could take pictures. And there was this one car that was just trying to get to their house, had the blinker on and everything. But the whole family made that car wait until it was time. And to the point where you know, one of the OG mamas was, was saying prayer in the middle of the of the street, um, just to praying for these kids to go uh, on to the to the prom and stuff. So it took an extra ten minutes. I really felt for that lady in that car. I just want to say that I, I feel for you, and that, yeah. I just really wanted to use this platform to say that, man. Wherever you are, that was that was an unfortunate, wrong place, wrong time situation. They're bad. Yeah. So um, we are talking to you after that. Um, we're talking to you on Monday evening. Raja Bell is just, I don't know what's going on with you, Raja. I have no idea, but let's, let's get to the shit. I got to get the tussin. I need some tussin. You got to, you do got to get the tussin, but I've been waiting to to talk to you because first of all, sir, you didn't text me back. I know you were in the gym, but I I had to get your, um, I hit you asking about what you thought about uh, with Draymond um, in the Memphis Grizzlies series game one, Memphis Grizzlies, Golden State Warriors series game one. 
Draymond um, goes for a re- I don't know. He doesn't go for a rebound. He grabs Brandon Clark's jersey. And just le- we're going to leave this to Raja to just set me straight. But I'm just saying you what happened. He grabs um, Brandon Clark's jersey, um, s- glides him to the ground because he carries him before he gets to the ground. Just just gives a little love tap, glides to the ground. And then, um, sorry, did I did I say that wrong? What did I say, Raza? Go ahead. What, what did I do? You, you're no, looking no, at me I, crazy. I, right I'm now. not. I'm not trying to interrupt you. I would like to hear. I would like you to finish. All right. So he grabs his jersey. Grabs his jersey. Looks like he's about to throw Brandon Clark into the ground, and then then holds him as he's as he's at, at the ground, and then gets called. I thought it was going to be a flagrant one, and then they called a flagrant two and ejected him. And did, is that the sequence of events that you saw, Raja? I'm sorry. You were looking at me crazy. Did I say it right or did, do I need to say it a different way? Yeah, some of the some of the descriptive words that you used, um, I felt were inaccurate. Like glided okay. him to the ground. It's definitely not what happened. Like, I don't even okay. know how you would glide. I don't know how you glide someone, but Draymond didn't glide anyone. Uh, Draymond, you sound like my editor right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Draymond, I'm really triggered. Draymond violently grabbed someone by the front of their shirt and yanked him down. Once yanked Draymond, him, yes, yeah, yanked him down. Once Draymond realized what he had done, he then quickly got into a space where a lot of us get to. You were like, "Oh, I messed up," and so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna try to hold him up at this point. Yes, that's he, he did. Um, it's a flagrant one, minimum. Uh, I could understand why refs might look at that on any given night throughout the course of 82 and at their worst moment, say flagrant two because of Draymond's track record. Um, it could be a dangerous play if he doesn't hold him up and he hits his face on the ground. I get it, but none of that happened. And it's not the course of 82. This is a first round series. I mean, a second round series. I'm sorry. First game, a second round series. I just, I don't think it was egregious enough to warrant the ejection. I, I, I took exception to that. I do understand kind of where they were coming from though. Like that, that's a play that doesn't look dangerous because nothing happened. But if he were to not be able to get his hands down or something like that could wind up being very dangerous. Uh, I still didn't think it, it warranted the ejection. Is this an isolated incident from what you've been describing as, what do we say? Subpar refereeship? During this refereeing during this postseason, or is this just an isolated incident? Because I felt like it could have gone either way. I wasn't surprised that they gave him a flagrant two. I was expecting a flagrant one because, you know, I think it wasn't that bad because he didn't get hurt. And two, he is an important guy on that team. And normally I feel like those guys get a little bit more rope, if that makes sense. Like yep. he's such an important. I, I just from referees in general, I feel like Draymond is in the pantheon of guys that some. Nah, he doesn't get the benefit of that. Let me not go that way. But he is one of those important guys. Where he's like, oh, give him a flagrant one. He gets he fit. He will learn his lesson from that. But I I say all that to say I did not expect a flagrant uh, two. I didn't I didn't expect him to get ejected. Um, but does this go into your theory of what the referees have been over the postseason? You know, for the most part, I I think they've. They've allowed a level of physicality across the board that they don't ordinarily allow in regular season games. I've touched on this at the beginning when we were talking about Kevin Durant and what the Celtics were kind of allowed to do to him through the first game or two of that series. And I think they've been consistent uh, with with uh, allowing uh, more physicality. You saw Luca tonight, um, you know, complaining throughout the game about calls that he probably ordinarily gets. So. I'm okay with the consistency, Logan. Again, I don't understand why it can't be consistent. Like the regular season can't match the 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 postseason. I don't understand why it's changed then, but they've been consistent throughout the regular season, allowing it to be more physical. I didn't have a beef, you know, with the way they ultimately ref that game. I just you don't want the outcome of that game to hinge on a 50-50 call like that. And I say 50-50 in terms of ejectable offense, right? Like not clearly a flagrant foul, like just grabbed the shirt, pulled him down. But you know, like the NBA, I think I, I I don't, I'm not reinventing the wheel when I say this, like the NBA is kind of a softer league overall than it was 15 years ago in terms of what you're allowed to do. What is a flagrant? Um, You even see guys now it's a pet peeve of mine. Um, See flagrants cost you extra money. When you get a flagrant foul, it costs you money. So selling a foul is one thing. That's gamesmanship. 
we're trying to get the benefit of getting in the bonus and maybe it picks up, you pick up your third or fourth foul, makes you have to sit on the bench. But you see players now lobbying for flagrants when they haven't been flagrantly offended, right? And that's taking money out of people's pockets. So I would be really upset. And I don't love to watch players get like a, a, a random kind of hand across the face. The shit didn't hurt you at all. And you're grabbing your face, acting like you lost an eye, lobbying for a flagrant foul. Like that's the league that we watch now. And so, you know, I'm not surprised that he got kicked out, but you don't want a game to be decided by that. Not, not, a, not that type of play. Especially that early in the game, man. Like it, that was that was a tough. And I want to talk about the series a little later. But it was it it was just a tough call. And if they weren't a veteran, if the Warriors weren't a veteran team in the way that they are, that that can derail a lot of things. They they did pull it out in the end. But man, you going it's a lot of stuff going the line when you eject someone in the postseason. I guess is all that I'm saying. So I was very surprised that they were quick to eject him like that. You're absolutely you're absolutely right though, right? You in a, in a playoff series like that, you're you're the road team. You're hoping to get one of those first two games. In a lot of instances, you'll have one shot at it. Um, mm-hmm. If if that was your shot, and it wound up being that Golden State pulled it out, but if that if that had slipped through your fingers and it was your one shot that flipped the series on its head, and you lost out on it because of that ejection, in a lot of instances, there's not another chance for you to to get that back. Like you're mm-hmm. now you're behind the eight ball. You've lost the opportunity. That was your one opportunity to get a road game, and so. You're right. Like that was an early ejection. And I, I would just say again, I think the NBA, I don't have the answer. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretending to be. They've got to do something with this whole flagrant one, flagrant two. There have been way too many ejections this year that I don't believe were flagrant twos. I've, I've gone over it and over it on the pod. Some of them, you know, even though I don't love them, are still going to fall in the flagrant two uh, ejectionable category, but some of them aren't. And we got to do a better job of sorting through those. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a quick break. And Raja, I want to talk about a team near and dear to your heart. No sweat, same game parlay each week. $20 in free bets if you don't win. The playoffs are heating up and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no sweat, same game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel has so many ways to play, and best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. On Tuesday night, we have two of the biggest matchups in the second round of the NBA playoffs. After an unbelievable game one of the Warriors-Grizzlies series, I'm going to take the Grizzly money line for game two at home. I think they can pull out the win. I'm also going to take Klay Thompson to make five or more threes, Jaron Jackson to make three or more blocks, and John Morant to score 35 or more points. Your same-game parlay bet can include game line totals, player props, and alternate spread, first basket, and more. New to FanDuel? Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code RINGERNBA. Once again, that's promo code RINGERNBA. And if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. Either way, you'll get up to $20 in free bets if your same-game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT-INDIANA. 1-877-770-STOP-LOUISIANA. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 New York. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia. And we are back to talk about the Phoenix Suns and what a turn of events for the Phoenix Suns since the last time we've been here, Raja. Devin Booker is back, which I thought was going to be a, I thought it was a bit premature, but he comes in, scores 13, Chris Paul, perfect from the field. Before we get into this Mavs, um, this Mavs Sun series, I do want to talk about, did you see the end of the uh, end of that series between the Suns and the Pelicans? Just like real ones all around. Oh yeah, you know sure. when you talk about Willie Green, what he's done, I really like what the Pelicans are doing. But then when you see a guy like Chris Paul 
go perfect from the field. And there was a lot of questions, I think, coming into this, right? Where, you know, can he win without can he win with Booker and can the can the Suns sustain? I think he showed a lot. Um, and I think the Suns are back ball in terms of purpose. I think they're back in the fold, especially after this win against uh, the Mavericks. Yeah, I thought I thought Phoenix um and I did get people sliding into my DMs and stuff about about me saying Phoenix was going to lose game five. I always had them winning that series. I just thought it would play wait, out. Wait, a, wait, a are you wait, wait, are you are you walking back comments right now, sir? Are you are you are you no. st- falling no, no, to, no, no. Pre- to public pressure? Nope, not at all. I thought Phoenix would lose game five. Um, and then I thought they would close out six and seven. I just saw it playing out a little differently. Um, but at the time I didn't know when Devin Booker was coming back. And so tonight watching them play, like Chris Paul was brilliant. I don't ever worry about Chris Paul. The only thing I worry about is whether he's healthy or not and whether that injury bug's going to pop up and bite him at the wrong time. Right. And I think that's, you know, the player at that point in his career, I think that's fair. I don't, I'm not you know, saying he's going to get hurt or anything, but you, that's always a concern, right? I was going to worry about the Suns moving forward. If Devin Booker came back and looked marginalized, like he wasn't, you know, he was just back. See, there are degrees of being back, right? We could come back just to provide a body and provide you, you know, 70% of what I have as a player. And in that space, I was worried about the Suns um, because they're, you know, you each round you get more and more, uh, you know, deep into the playoffs. You're facing better and better teams. But tonight when I watched Devin Booker come out of the gates, you know, he looks like himself. You know, he was... He was on fire. He had energy. He was moving well. It didn't look like, you know, it looked like he had taken a step from from the last game of the of the New Orleans series. And if he's going to be that Devin Booker, then the Suns are right back in the mix as a favorite to win a championship. Now, whether that plays itself out or not, I think, you know, we'll have to see moving forward. But they're they're a favorite for sure. I think it was just you know, like, and I, I've been on the, I picked the Suns to win the title and. When Book went down, I remember being in the arena and it was just a just a, a silence. It was just like a funeral or something like that, you know. And and there was a sense that I don't know from the team, but just around the arena it was like, oh man, you know, he's out three weeks. That could really hinder us for the rest of the rest of the postseason. And honestly, it was I thought that that might be a, a blow to their their chances. Just in general, I just thought it was you know with the way that you know New Orleans was playing how much confidence that they had. But right now, especially after this win against uh, Dallas, I'm really affirmed in um, just how good they are. And if, knock on wood, hopefully Book stays healthy. They're a force. They're so deep. They're they're such a great team. They're, um, and it, I think they're putting together at the right time. And they have that mix of youth and also, uh, you know, guys that have been there. Um, you know, I see, like, I just juxtapose Chris Paul with the Mikel Bridges, right? And they're both, you know, Mikel Bridges is the young guy who really steps up in a, in a game five when Raja talks against him, and against his team and said they're going to lose. He comes and just kills. I really am impressed by this team, Ron. I really think they're going to be good. No, they're, they're, they're a really good team, Logan. And Mikel Bridges, like, he's relatively young in terms of NBA years, but he's a, he's a seasoned basketball player. He's played in some huge moments in college basketball. Like he's not afraid of a moment. There's not a moment that's going to take him, you know, by, by surprise and have him kind of starstruck because he's in it. Um, the Suns are just a terrible matchup for, for, for Dallas, in my opinion. I mean, they're going to give a lot of people fits, but you know, Dallas, they have so many, people standing around watching Dallas, that is. And it's so heavy, Luca having to create a play. And, you know, that ball doesn't start moving. Luca's on it for like eight, nine, ten seconds. And then it starts moving, right? And I think that plays right into the hands of the Suns, who have all this this length and all these rangy defenders, a bunch of different bodies they can throw at Luca. You had at any given time, at least two defenders committed in some capacity, one on him and one like shadowing him. Right. And then, you know, there were other times where there were three sets of eyes kind of locked in on him. Right. You could tell, and they just scramble out of that and run you off of your shots. And, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily believe that Dallas has enough playmakers and they don't um, outside of Luca to, to kind of beat them like that. And so, uh, it, you know, I, I don't see this as being, I don't know what the series will wind up, but they'll, they'll, they'll kind of roll the Mavs, I think. But it gets really interesting when you pull that next straw, when you have teams that 
kind of look like you in terms of having a lot of talent across the board, having versatility, yeah. having more ball movement, not predicated on one guy just being on the ball at all times. Uh, so you can't just lock in and have that game plan. That's when it starts to get interesting and fun. Well, it's funny. You talk about how uh, with Dallas and how, you know, we know this, they're not a one-man show, but they every player is centered around um, Luca's orbit. And we talked about this earlier in the year um, with Sharks. But how much for I want to get stay with the Suns really quickly. How much was last series um, a byproduct of just matchups that just that the Pelicans just matched up really, really well with them? Is that one of the reasons why they just struggled or what do you think it was more than that for for them? that they just had to get into just work their way into the postseason. No, I think I think the Pelicans were a tough a tough card to draw for for the Suns. I I'm sure the Suns didn't feel like they played their best basketball. Uh, but but you know, the Pelicans did some things in ha- in terms of having length, having a guy who could, you know, get buckets in Brandon Ingram, but also, you know, also also a guy, you know, who could who could uh break you down off the off the dribble and 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 uh CJ McCollum and get his own buckets and just create. And they have, you know, they have pieces that don't allow you to play the way you can play against Dallas, right? Like where you can just lock in. And so, you know, yeah, they posed a different challenge to the Suns. I, again, I would imagine I'm not with the Suns organization in any capacity, but I would imagine they don't think they played their best basketball. And that may be true, but I also think the Pelicans were a better stylistic matchup to give them problems than Dallas is. Since we're talking about Dallas, I want to bring in our producer. Um, Sasha Mack, can you please come on really quickly? Because Sasha says that we owe our listeners an apology. And that's what she said. That's something that she said. And I want to bring her on to, um, to set us straight. Honestly, I forgot what we said. I, I think that, but it was in the lost file somewhere in the real ones archives. Apparently we said some disparaging things about, or, or we were wrong about Dallas in some capacity. I don't think so. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I don't think so. But yeah. Sasha Mack's going to come in here and set us straight. And we, she's going to make us explain ourselves, apparently. I'm going to let you know exactly what you did. Um, so basically what happened is that Dallas beat the Jazz. I can't remember what game it was, but it was early. And it was like a great game from Maxi Kleba. And I was like, we, oh, I got on. I was like, oh, we should talk about it. We should talk about it. It was so fun. I was Because I was rooting for Dallas, obviously, as all sane-minded people were. And I came to you guys I was like what a great game like we should talk about it and then you guys talked about it but it was like only the jazz you only talked about it you didn't even literally I don't even think you said the word Mavericks it was like maybe you said it in the first like sentence to introduce that you were going to talk about the jazz you talked about the jazz and then at the ad break I said you guys didn't even talk about the Mavericks you guys should talk about the Mavericks so we came back from the ad Logan and Raja <laughs> talked about the Maverick, talked about the Mavericks in quotes for about two minutes, two okay. and a half minutes, maybe. Okay. And it was so weak. There was no heart in it, literally no heart. And it was basically just Raja saying, but they're not going to do it. There's no way. And mm. you guys are just lucky mm. okay. that I cut it out because I did cut it out, but I'm happy to play that segment right now. Wow. Never before heard wow. segment wow. about the Dallas Mavericks from two weeks ago. <laughs> wow. So I'm going to tee that up right now. Enjoy. So, um, you know, and, you know, even with the Jazz, I am tired of talking about the Jazz. We should talk about the Mavericks, man. If they, you talked about how Luka with that calf injury is really tough to, it's it's tough. And I know firsthand from seeing KD get it and, you know, what that can lead to. If you come back a little too fast, that it'll pop, like, we know the worst case scenario of all this. Are the, Ma- what what position are the Mavericks in right now? They play, they, are, is this a means to an end? Do the, Ma- do the Jazz just end up winning just for, like, what, what ends are, up happening? What the, Mavs happening de- the Mavs are dead. I don't mean any disrespect, but I told you I'm not going to come on here and bullshit you tonight. It's 12. Not tonight. 40. <laughs> not tonight. You know, they're, look, it's great that they could come out and Jalen Brunson, you know, for a second round draft pick. I know his daddy. I know Pops from way back. Um, 
you know, to be to be in a contract year, to be holding it down in a way that he's holding it down, like I am all for that. It's a great story. They just don't have legs. They're not going to beat the Jazz. They're not beating the Jazz. As much as we could say the Jazz aren't a contender to to win the title, like I don't have them in that conversation. They are beating Dallas. Word. I know I said they were not going to win. I yeah, Roger is like, yeah, but no, they're, they're just not going to do it. They're, there's no way. It was literally, it was literally like, it's like, oh, no, no. It was, it literally was like, you guys were like, why are we talking about this? Oh, my God. And so that's what happened. Fair. Wow. So that's what I'm saying. So I, last week, when they actually, <laughs> <laughs> they, they went up a 3-2 and I was like, I'm sorry, you guys. Come on. Like, there was a lot of like, oh, you know, hand waving. I promise you when you texted me And then literally two days ago when they beat, yeah. When you put it in the chat, I had no idea what you were talking about. Roger, did you have any idea what you were talking about? I didn't even remember this. I remember saying it. And I'm going to double down. I mean, I'm not. (laughs) You can't double down. down. Well, well, I am. Because what I'm going to do is take this opportunity (laughs) to not talk about the damn Mavericks and talk about the Jazz. Oh, my God. Okay, fine. That's because fine. who in their right mind, right, would have thought minus Luka Doncic, right, on a team where we can admit that every single thing they do revolves around Luka Doncic. Who would have thought that the Jazz would have fumbled the bag as gloriously bad, that even makes sense, as they did? Like, that was an epic failure as a team and as an organization. I mean no disrespect to the Jazz. I'm proud that yes, I played you do. for the no, Jazz. No, no, yes, no, 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 I do not. Okay. I'm proud that I played for the Jazz. I love Utah, but that was some absolute bullshit. And I said it, and I meant <laughs> it, and I said it with my chest. There was no way that, that, that the Mavs were going to beat them. And I didn't mean any disrespect to the Mavs. You're just minus one of the best players on the planet. How are you going to fucking beat the Jazz? He had a calf injury that he's actually nursing right now. You saw him limping in game one against the Suns with this same calf injury that he was hurting. Roger, one leg. Forget. Hey, he's playing on one leg. You know what? This is just we thank you, Sasha Mack, for just My you bad, helping Sasha. us do a side. No, all, no, she did a great job, as she always does. What she did was give us another opportunity to just say that the Jazz have just been <laughs> just not good, not an embarrassment. That was, that, a, was, that was not good. That was not good. That was, that was, was not definitely, good. It was not good. And good for you, and good for you Dallas, and good for you, um, Maxi Kleba, and good for you, uh, Jalen Brunson, and good for y'all. No, I'm not, no bullshit. Good for you. I just didn't see that one coming. Whew. You know what I didn't see coming, Raja? I didn't see coming that Joel Embiid would oh. be out for the first two games of this series against the Heat. I didn't see that coming with the um, with the orbital bone, um, elbow right in the face, Raja Pascal Siakam, um, elbow has put him out at least for the first two games. Now there's reports from Woj that um, he will be back or is planning to come back for games three and four, which puts a lot on the back of James Harden um, and Tobias Harris and uh, Maxi and all those guys. And in the first game. Of the series against the Heat, didn't look too good. You know, you know, they took a brief. The Sixers took a brief halftime lead, and then it was all Heat from there. Um, Raja, you are uh, a Dade County representative. You're not a Heat fan, but you got your your ears to the to the streets down there. The what's the pulse down there in Miami as uh, as Joel Embiid is hurt, and you know the, the Heat have a big opportunity right here. Miami Heat fans are are feeling really, really good about themselves right now, as they should be. Um, they're they're sitting in a really nice seat right now. They're the, the circumstances of this series are going to provide plenty of rest. It's going to allow them to come into the the next series uh, fresh and ready to go. Because without Joel Embiid, I don't want to say what I said about the are Jazz you, and the Mavericks. Right I'm not going to do that. Do it. So what I will say is it is going to be very, very, very difficult for the 76ers to challenge Miami in a way that's going to push them. I don't know when Joel Embiid's coming back, if he's going to put the mask on when he clears concussion protocol. But tonight, Tobias Harris was fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
he was really good. 11 to 18 from the field, um, 27 points. He he played great. And in the first half, Maxie wasn't bad and James Harden wasn't bad. But at the end of the day, you mustered 92 points. The Heat, you mustered 92 points. James Harden, if he can't be the James Harden from Houston in Joel Embiid's absence, they don't stand a chance. Yeah. Not a chance. Now, Roger. you throw you throw Joel Embiid back in there, we can have another discussion, uh, uh, Logan. But I want to say this one definitively. If Joel Embiid doesn't play in this series, there is no chance that the 76ers win the series. You going to stand on that with, with your chest? All right. So I do want to talk about uh, – I do want to talk about just – just how the injury affects a lot of different things, right? First of all, I think that if Joel is even playing, it's still a tall task because we're not just talking about the concussion that you're coming from. We're not just talking about the orbital bone that you just broke. We're talking about that, that, that ligament in the thumb, sir. Also, as a big man, you're getting, as a big man of Joel Embiid's stature, you're going to get beat up. Especially Miami don't play. You got Bam out of bow. You got all these guys, and they very tough, hard-nosed, physical team. And you're going to have them come back into that environment. The end of, I think it was the end of last pod, we gave the Sixers a warning shot. I think you gave the Sixers a little warning shot. We didn't go in too much because at, the, at that time, they were um, in the thralls of a series against the Raptors, when we thought, you know, it should have been a, we should have, they should have just took care of the Raptors right then and there. Are you ready to do more than a warning shot on this episode? Or are we going to wait one more week, sir? Uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of the Sixers, is it, is it, is it, are they, are they on notice yet? Or are they in your eyes or what, what oh, are, are, you, are oh, they yeah, ready for, are they on, ready for no, a Raza rant? They're on notice. And it's, you know, but the thing is they have a built-in excuse, you know, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid missing even two games in this series um, is, is going to put you behind the eight ball. Uh, if he comes back in the third game, I'm with you, Logan. I'm probably you know compromised in in, in multiple areas of health. Like he he's just not going to be himself. And the Heat are really good. The Heat are playing really good basketball right now. They're defending. They're swarming. I mean, there was a play tonight where them cats had. I don't know, maybe five offensive rebounds. They got five mm-hmm. threes on one possession and they were just bullying. Like the energy was coming through the screen. Uh, they're a tough draw. So yeah, the Sixers are squarely on alert. So the Heat are your conference finals pick. And, um, you know, I want to throw that into previews because if they do win, they're going to face the winner of this uh, next series that we're going to preview for game two, which is... Bucks Celtics. I'm trying with the transitions here, Roger. You're not even you're not even woke. I'm trying with these transitions. No, I know it was dope. It was dope. I want to talk about that. I want to talk I know. about that series. Yeah, let's talk. Let's about talk that. about. Let's, let's dig in. Let's dig in about Bucks Celtics and then give a prediction after that. What was the biggest thing you saw from that game? Because we're we're coming off the 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 series against the Celtics and and Nets where that was over pretty quickly, right? And you know we're. We're thinking about the Celtics as title contenders. We are, we're penciling them in. Are we going to go? Are they going to go to the? Are they going to go to the finals? It's 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 there. They're they're a deep team. The Bucks are hobbled. No Middleton, and Giannis just goes in and just gets a triple double. What did you think of the, about that game one? And your first initial thoughts, Rob? My first initial thoughts was, it ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. Mm. And I say that because. In the Brooklyn series, the Celtics were bigger. They were more physical. They were bullying Brooklyn or like moving them off of their spot over and over and over again. Assaulting the rim. Mm. Just challenging everything Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and company did. Just, you know, swarming. And last night when I watched that game or yesterday afternoon, I don't know how many open layups the Celtics got at the rim. And I, and I flashed back to the Brooklyn when they were just on top of the rim left and right. Everything was challenged. Um, how, many, how many times did, did Boston lift somebody up out of their stance, go to the rim, and then were walled up by another defender? People were closing out left and right. But I tried to explain it. Like, if you, if you would allow me to get into my nerddom for one second. Get in Logan, your bag. Get in your bag, bro. You know, when you're playing a sport, 
uh, especially a fine motor sport like basketball, when it's time to put the ball, like this small ball in this, this tiny ring and it's way over there and I've got to handle it with all of this dexterity and stuff like that. Um, it's really important that you stay on your rhythm. You play at your pace, right? Because we've all got this inner clock, right? And if we're, if we're on pace and we're on schedule and things are moving at a speed where we can make decisions and stuff like that, then we're fine. And the greatest players on the planet can get sped up to a degree and still be functioning at that pace, right? As a defender, my job against a great offensive player would be to try to get you to play at a faster pace than you want to play, to get you sped up, to be in your space, to have you just off rhythm. And I felt like Milwaukee did that. It's what Boston did to Kevin Durant. And it's what Milwaukee was doing to the Celtics last night, speeding them up over and over again, making them play and shoot shots out of rhythm. You saw the air ball that Jason Tatum shot last night, the three. Yes. Yeah. Where he shot it clear yeah. over the rim to the other side of the backboard. Jason Tatum's a great player. But when you're doing that, you're getting sped up. Like they're under they're underneath you and they're moving your process at a faster pace than you can handle. And so now you're just fried a little bit. And that's what Milwaukee did to them. And they bullied him. You brought up Jason Tatum. And everything what I think about Jason Tatum when I came into that when I watched that game one, it it was a reminder that yeah. Jason Tatum is a really great basketball player. Really great. He's not quite in the tier yet. He's not quite in the, in, the, in the upper tier just yet. Not there just yet. And I think we got reminded of that in the first game, right? Where, or at least he's going to have to prove more that he's in that. He's not there yet. He has to prove more, right? Because this could be a long series. But from what I saw, um, didn't shoot the ball particularly well getting pushed off of his spots, it still seemed like that Milwaukee is the champs. And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to go through the champs. And if you want to get to the finals, it's not going to be a cakewalk. And honestly, it really showed, showed me. Every team, um, I think it showed me like how bad in hindsight that, uh, that Brooklyn team was, right? Like, right. They just were, is that, does that make sense, Rob? Where you're just like, where we were thinking about Brooklyn as like as long as they get their pieces pieces involved, they they might go for a run. No, it's not going to happen. They were that was a bad basketball team that they played in the first round. And they got a great matchup. Now you got to come to the biggest front court in the league. It shows how small your front court is, and you're going to have to play. Now you're going to have to play. And I just it's it's always hard when the the home team loses that first game. That's that's just that's a tough thing to come back from, and. That's the difference between oh, we're this is a seven game series and maybe a four or five game series, in my opinion. That puts a lot of pressure. It puts a lot of pressure on you as your as the home team to have to get that second win. You know, when Chris Middleton goes out, I mean they get even they get even bigger. You're talking six ten, six eleven, seven one. Yeah. You know, and and your two guards are dogs. Mm. Drew Holiday and Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews is not the player that he was once was, but he's still a dog. Like he's still up. He's still underneath you. He's still physical. He's still moving you off of your spot. Um, yeah. And so it becomes really, really hard to score. Boston had 89 damn points last night. That's a score from like 2001. And I'm going to tell you, you like played. This. Yeah, exactly. It was a 101 to 89. And Giannis didn't play great. Like I hear everybody on TV today, you know, was singing Giannis's praise. Like Giannis was all right. Giannis wasn't great. He wasn't. I felt like Al Horford did a really good job on him. What's the, what's the other? Williams. I thought I thought they did really Williams. good. They did a really good job on Giannis. Yeah, I mean Giannis is just the best player in the on the planet right now. So he figures it out, right? He he gets other people involved. He boards the hell out of it. He never stops coming at you. But I, I think he can play better. He'll make a lot of those shots that he missed. The same way Boston fans are saying, oh, Jason Tatum won't struggle like that and Jalen Brown won't struggle like that. I don't believe Giannis will continually struggle like that. So it, 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 could, get, it could get dicey real quick. I think, because I saw, I saw the Bucks a couple months ago. You know, that's when they were getting their gas and I think that uh, Brooke, uh, Brooke Lopez was just coming back. I saw a team, you know, where it was funny because Milwaukee's record per se didn't match up with the how dominant their ceiling could be at times. 
And you start to see during the postseason, oh, this is why, you know, the Bucks got that gas during the season is because they are built for these moments. Um, they are they have a front court. Brooke Lopez is is such a great piece for them. Um, and they all these players, it's a team where everyone knows their role. Um, and not to say that Boston doesn't, but they you get a, a extra pep in your step when you win a title. You know, there's there's always that bit of knowledge and all that 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 uh you could just see that the Bucks were it was just another day at the office for them in game one. And if they can be that dominant while not being that good efficiently, then it's kind of scary for Boston. Yeah, I mean, it, this could... The shots that I saw Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown make, the scary part about that, if you're Bucks fans, are while I'm saying they were on top of the rim and they were getting easy baskets, they made a ton of tough buckets against against Brooklyn too. Now, mm. you're, you were shooting those over maybe six 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 five Bruce Brown, yeah. And that shot again, when I'm talking about speeding your process up, you have more time to get it off against a 6-5 Bruce Brown fading away than you do against a 6-10 Bobby Portis in your face. It changes the speed. So I'm not telling you they're going to make those at the same clip, but they can make tough buckets. So if they get hot, you know, they, this series, you know, it could be interesting. Like it's going to have to, I'm going to feel my way through it the first couple of games, just like they will. Um, when you win a championship, and we, we talked about the Bucks and my concerns for them not being great defensively or as good defensively this year as they had been last year. Obviously, Brooke wasn't in the lineup for a lot of this year, and that had something to do with it. But typically, when you win a championship, and I, you know, I'd seen it with LeBron, and I saw it with other people who had won multiple championships, you then do become able to kind of tap in to that that switch, like and the or the ability to flip the switch. So you don't have to be great all the way through the regular season and be playing up into a crescendo at the end of the season because you can kind of, you know what it takes. You've been there, you did that, and so you can kind of cruise, 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 and then bop, flip that switch and we're ready to go into playoffs. And again, the Bucks, because now they have their personnel back, but I also think to your point, because of the experience and having that title under their belt, they know what it takes. They're flipping that switch. Bop, let's go. We're ready to rock. With that being said, who's your, what's your prediction for game two? Man, that's a tough one. I think Giannis is going to be better uh, scoring-wise. I don't know that he triple-doubles. Uh, I'm going to take the Bucks. I think you I, – I, I knew you were going there. You were hedging, but I felt – I knew you were – I'm going to pick the Celtics. I'm going okay. to pick the Celtics. Yeah. I, I don't have any reason why. I just hope that they win it. I hope that they win game two. You're probably say. right. I mean, the law averages say they win it. I don't – I just – if they get pushed – okay. If they – you remember what I said about Kevin Durant in the last series, right? What's that? And if he was going to get bullied around and pushed around and the rest were going to let that happen, it's going to be a long series. If if the Celtics don't figure out how to match that physicality, they're they're going to get moved around all series. It's going to be quick work. Yeah, man. It was all good just a week ago. Um, but I'm going to go <laughs> let's let's transition to uh to Warriors Grizzlies. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Now, 
the biggest takeaway I got from game one was I think it was affirmation that I just think that the Grizzlies are a year away. You know, I watched that game. Golden State made a ton of mistakes, a ton of mistakes, did not play a good game by any stretch, had one of their best players get ejected early. And Memphis could never capitalize on it, man. They could never just pull away. And they played a bit erratic at times. They played a lot of that was on adrenaline. I felt like they, at the end of the day, they got the the outcome that they deserved. I just think that they were really juiced up because they always, they they had beaten the Warriors. Uh, They'd won the season series against the Warriors. They were always, they always wanted to play against the Warriors and it showed and they seemed a little bit too excited, bro. They had to win that game. Yeah. They had to, they had to win that. You had, you had to get that game uh, and you let it slip through your fingers. Um, Clay Thompson misses two free throws with, oh. with seconds left. And how do you not capitalize on that, dude? I, I mean, just, yes. How, how do we not? Like the, the, the amount of things that went wrong for Golden State, to present the opportunity for you to walk out of there with a, with a, with a win game one and you not being able to do that. That's got to be haunting you right now. John Morant's been really inconsistent this playoffs. Like he's even in the games where he's closed really well. And like, you know, there were a lot of those in the Minnesota series where he was not good through three quarters and then he'd spurt in the fourth and they figure out mm-hmm. a way to win it. And I don't know. I want to be careful the way I say this because I don't mean to take anything away from Memphis and how good they are, but I think at least 50% of that speaks to Minnesota's inability and, 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 and them not being ready to close. Like they're being years away from, from being able to be a viable like playoff entity. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. So is as much of them fumbling the bag as Minnesota going and taking the bag from them. I mean, uh, Memphis. So, you know, I still, I still think there's life there. I still think it's a, a, it's a tougher matchup for golden state, obviously like with the personnel style of play. Uh, I think they'll win game two Memphis that is, but I don't know that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that I could pick Memphis at this point. I, I would, I would, they were one of my favorite teams, but after watching them through a series and a game, I don't know that I could pick them to beat Golden State right now. It was funny, and some of the pre, some of the uh, pre-pod texts, um, and, and also a lot of the group chats that I was in. It was you could the conversation basically was, "Yo, man, M- Minnesota could have won that series in five if they just do like four things. If they do four things, they're they're gonna win. And they win that series, and." Like, this is the difference that I see from Memphis among uh, the other top teams in the Western Conference. Like, if the Warriors play like that against Phoenix, first game of the series, they're getting blown out. It's not even a question. If all those sequence of events happen, they're getting blown out. Why? Because Phoenix has been there before. They play a little slower. They don't play, you know, it was a lot of those things where a lot of the mistakes that the, the Grizzlies made is because they're just playing too fast. And not even in the way, because I know that's their strong suit, but you get what I'm saying? It wasn't under control. You get what I'm saying, Rock? Can you dig what I'm saying on that one? Yeah, what you're describing is what makes them dangerous at times. It's not them not really fully having a grasp of the situation. Like, that can be dangerous when you're playing free and loose, but there are times where you got to understand the situation and the gravity of it and take care of the ball and do what, you know, like that's what you're describing. You're playing a little too loose, a little too free. A little too free, and um, and and it starts with you know Ja is just a just a fireball of energy, and you play off of that, you know. And also, this is Memphis's time to shine, man. Like I really love seeing in the front row Zebo there, Moneybag, yo, yo Gotti out there, Ja's dad talking shit. I love that, but it it just it it seemed like a team that just is just feeling this out real quick, you know. This is the first time where they've had been a top a top three seed, and they're just they're figuring it out right now. I think we're seeing the growing pains of Memphis. I don't, and I, this is goes the reason why I called them fake. And I know I got a lot of stuff. Hello, Verno. Hello, Chris Verno. I know, Uh-oh. I know. He listens to the show. He kind of g checked me on Twitter because I said they were fake. Um, but the reason why one of the reasons why I said they were fake is just because of reasons like this. It just feels like 
they're not just they're just not ready yet. And they have to go through those growing pains right now. Yeah, I mean, every I think that's fair. Um, you know, you come into a season and you have these goals set out for your team, right? And you know, most teams say, Yeah, we want to win a championship, right? And then realistically, you know, there's 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 a more, you know, pressing goal, if you will, right? And I I think Memphis, while they wanted to win a championship, I think being a great regular season team this year was the next step in their evolution, like in their own minds, right? Like we're going to be, we're going to be best team in the league, second best team in the league, whatever we can be like, that's our quest this year. Yeah. We want to win a championship, but real talk, the the next step in their progression was just being this gangster ass regular season team. And so I'm not saying that they can't, but I'm saying sometimes when, when that happens and those are where the priorities are, you know, you kind of just, exhale a little tiny bit and now you're in the playoffs and you know you almost got beat by minnesota and now you got golden state with all of their weapons and all of this experience and a great coach and like these are these are daunting tasks to have to overcome if you're not razor sharp and so i i think you are right i think they may be a year away from it it's funny because the warriors are just giving ja every jump shot they're just give, they're just like here they don't even run out to him he hit his first two threes last game and then from there it was just just bricks and bricks and bricks but it's funny cuz it just seems like the evolution of like yo that means ja's going to get in the gym all summer and hopefully they don't get that three pointer right i wanted to ask you something cuz i was watching the game um, and I've been watching the last few, you know, I've been watching the Grizzlies. They've been one of our teams that we just love that, you know, the real ones just love to watch. I, just, I love watching the Grizzlies um, and specifically Ja. But I kept thinking, hmm, this dude feels like, I think from a cultural standpoint, and I know he gets a lot of comparisons. It was like a little Allen Iverson there, like throwing his body into the defense when he gets into the lane. Now, Ja is a lot more athletic than Chuck was, but. I do see that. I remember your series, Ra, in 01, that Milwaukee series, when Iverson was just going into the land. I think he bruised his tailbone that series or something like that. And I couldn't help but thinking, man, Ja is really beating up his body right now. Just all these nicks and like how how do you get from first of all, I want to see what you think about the comparison. And two, how does he keep his body intact when he's just so much athleticism and he is so prone to running into folks and running into things. I mean, I could see, I could see the Allen Iverson comparison, uh, stature and, you know, quickness, athleticism. Uh, I think Chuck was a, probably a better scorer of the ball, you know, just Hmm. over overall scorer of the ball than Ja. Like I think Ja's phenomenal around the rim finishing and stuff like that. But Chuck, you know, Chuck was just a pure, he was just a pure scorer. Like he put that thing in the cup. You know what I mean? Like that was, but that's not to take anything away from Ja. I just think that like Chuck was probably a little bit better scorer. Ja's better, you know, uh, leaper and stuff like that. I, it's always a, a tough thing to predict because, you know, Chuck did take a lot of punishment, but he, he withstood it for a long time. It just doesn't, you don't, transition into that next phase as gracefully when you're a smaller player and you take that much punishment because those hits start to take a toll, almost like a running back that's got a high usage rate. You know, like you're running, you might be great for a good stretch and then the miles catch up. And so, you know, I think Ja does need to explore, you know, rounding out the jump shot and getting himself a a more well-rounded arsenal from from the floor so that he can alleviate some of the banging that he's got to take his style is always going to be to throw his body into people like and to get in there and mix it up i'm not saying not to do that and i'm and i'm not saying that he doesn't have a great offensive game but everyone evolves like you saw kobe after a while realize hey man i you know i'm not 23 anymore i can't just be on top of the rim with all of these seven foot 275 pound dudes beating the hell out of me. So let me become more of a jump shooter. Mike evolved. Every LeBron evolved. You know, they all do. And so I think, you know, if, if a smaller player that relies on getting to the rim, that takes its toll more than it does on a 6'6", 225-pound dude. Yeah. I just wish there was a, for these super-duper athletic dudes, man, like, you know, you first saw it with D. Rose and you saw it with, and now you're seeing the Russell Westbrooks, 
Now you're seeing that evolution with Ja. I just wish there was like, you know, for athletic for athletic quarterbacks, there's like the the slide. I wish there was like a basketball uh, version of a slide, right, where you can just get it, get in and get out. I don't know, man. Well, I hope that I, I hope that he figures that out. But I, I overall point is it does feel like this is a feeling out um, uh, series for the for the Grizzlies, and I think ultimately, I think the the I think the Warriors are going to win just on smarts, not necessarily because they're more athletic or, you know, necessarily better from top to bottom. I think that they just ha- they've been there before. And I think that they're going to learn, they're going to learn the Grizzlies a lesson real quick just because yeah. of just the experience. And that's cool. Cause I think the, I said this in the beginning of the postseason. I think the Grizzlies are going to be a title contender for years to come. I just don't think this is their year. So with that being said, I think the Grizzlies win game two. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I think it's another one of those series though. I think it's another, I think it's another one of those series like the Minnesota Grizzly series where, you know, they're going to be on the other end of this one, but it's going to be an entertaining series. I think it's going to have some games and some nail biting and some some pushing you to the limits, but I think Golden State ultimately wins it. But I'll take Memphis in game two. Yeah, man. It's going to be fun. Um, so, Raja, I was just very disgusted last week when, uh, you know, when Luca and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Finney Smith just went up in there in, in the Salt Lake City and just just took that serious. I was pretty upset with the Jazz, the staff, record label, and a crew. It's unfortunate, man. You know, I, I just can't express it enough. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the – there's going to be an interesting offseason there. You know, there's, a, there's rumors that, you know, even though he has a year left on his deal, Quinn Snyder, you know, might be going elsewhere. It might be new coaching change. Uh you know, there's the looming. Uh, I don't know if it's a decision, Raja, but it's definitely something that they got to figure out, which is the the Gobert Mitchell situation. And um, yeah, man. But I say all that to say, Raja, it's time for Pack Watch, buddy. Uh oh. And I, I just want to say real quick before we get to Pack Watch with Jomi, um, Jomi isn't here right now, so we have to do a recording to him. I don't know. Is Jomi? Do we got to call out Jomi? Maybe we could just give him a little warning shot. He didn't want to, you know, he's getting a little Hollywood. He sent in a video message, Ra. He sent one in. Hey, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me, Jomi. That's all I'm going to say. He said he's seeing Dr. Strange, and I think it's very strange that he just would, you know, Say on the say on the timeline that he's going to be on Pack Watch, and he said he's going to be on Real Ones, but he's like kind on Real Ones. Whatever. Let's just see what he has to say about the Utah Jazz, who are on Pack Watch. Hey, fellas, sorry I could not record with you in real time, but I had to let the people know we are free of the Jazz agenda. We beat the Utah Jazz allegations. We are free. Listen, listen, every year we have to hear about the jazz and how, oh, the jazz are here. Oh, do you see their wings on offense? And, oh, Rudy Gobert locking down the paint and, and their, their warp and their stats and the defensive rating and da 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 this and that and this and that. And every single year. We're left embarrassed, bamboozled, shocked for that some reason the Jazz aren't NBA Finals contenders. Look at those guys, man. We've been saying this for years. They are the definition of fraudulent. The dictionary definition. All right? Up 3-1 in 2020. L. Come back against... The Clippers up 25 in game six. And Terrence Mann turns into prime MJ. And now this year, the Dallas Mavericks, who for sure, let's be clear, had the better record, right? But Luka missed half that series. Half the series, man. On base, Luca played on one leg, and they and they lost. Rudy Gobert looks like he he doesn't know how to how to play basketball on the offensive end for whatever reason. He looks like an eighth grader who just picked up a ball for the first time. And listen, I, 
it really hurts me to say this. It really does. But I am so sick and tired of Mon- of Mountain Time Monte Ellis, man. Like what like what are we doing here with these guys? They don't work together. Okay? Something needs to happen. Quinn Snyder's my boy, but they they got to figure something else out because we are sick. The fans, the people listening, everybody outside of Salt Lake City, Utah, is sick and tired of that team, man. They're done. They are who we thought they were. They are exactly who we thought they were. Fraudulent. And hopefully, I'm begging, I'm pleading, I'm asking the gods above, Konshu, everybody, that we have seen the last of this, this team. Because if I have to come into the 2022-2023 season and hear the same garbage that I've been hearing for the last four years, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. It's time to say goodbye to this Jazz team and officially not just put them on pack watch for this playoffs. Put this Jazz team on pack watch forever. This iteration of the Jazz team is done. Gone. Goodbye. Sayonara. Adios. See you in the next life. I am done. I am disgusted. I am disgruntled. And frankly, I'm disappointed that we keep having to hear about this team. And I I just hope that this is the final pack watch on this irradiation of the Jazz. Thank you. I yield my time to the chair. Damn, man. Listen. That was incredible. If there are any Salt Lake listeners out there, I co-sign with none of that. Except. Yeah. Except. Oh. You fumbled the bag. You should You should have. A Lucas Dallas Mavericks team for half of that series. You fumbled the bag. Like, like we could call a spade a spade. And secondly, I'm with Jomi. That this, this roster as currently constructed does not need to be back in Utah next year. It's time for change. I'm still regrouping, man, because that was a lot. That was um, a lot. It was a lot. That was a lot going on. Um, I'm not... I mean, he kind of just said everything that needed to be said. I, I, but he let it off. Like, there's no if ands, or buts about that. He was... He, he that let was, that thing I, off. I, I, Honestly, I'm not even mad that he's not here right now because that was incredible. I, th- I know it was one take. He did that in one take. It was one take. Wow. Um, let's go to a little segment we like to call Ruin of the Week, shall we? Um, Ruin of the Week is a uh, segment that we do weekly where we just shout out a person, entity, and organization that won the week. I'm still figuring out my Ruin of the Week because I'm in shock. I'm trying to – I might give it to Jomi just off the incredible display, but um, – Sold that thought. Roger, do you have a real one of the week, sir? Uh, let's see. Real one of the week. Um, yeah, I'm going to give a real one of the week to someone I watched play yesterday. Um, and I was sitting there. It, it wasn't the star of the game, although had huge plays in the game. Uh, I, I think very helpful in, in the in the endeavor of uh, beating the Celtics. It came into the league like was a was a laughing stock at times in college basketball, even though he was super talented. He's from Florida, played at a great basketball institution at Duke, but just became this kind of sideshow thing with the with the anger management issues and kind of some of the silly things he was doing on the court. And people were really worried about what his pro career was going to do. And I watched him yesterday, and he's turned into a nice pro, Grayson Allen. And I always oh. cheer for a dude. I always cheer for a dude to get a second chance, kind of shake you know, the label that's been placed on him and, 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 you know, succeed. And, and Grayson Allen is a tough, a tough basketball player. Now, sometimes he crosses the line. Some of the stuff is just, yo, like, you, you know, sometimes you got to stand up for what you, for who you are on the court. And in terms of what he is now is he's an integral part of a great team in the Milwaukee Bucks. And he's providing huge plays uh, in an effort for them to win a championship. So he's going to be my real one. Grayson out. That's what's up, man. You know what? I think I alluded to it to the beginning of the show. Um, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to do a three, a three prong um, ruin of the week. Just going to do a first. three one. Let's go, right? Let's fucking do it. I'm going to give my ruin of the week to Monty Williams, to Willie Green, and to Chris Paul. Because 
I saw what I saw at the end of that uh, series was class personified, right? You see guys that have all come up together. Um, um, you see a guy in Willie Green who is really making a mark for his his on his coaching career, you know, pretty early in his coaching career. And then at the end, you see the visual of him, you know, hugging the guy that gave him the shot and Monty Williams. Um, Monty Williams, who has, I, I forgot where I was reading it, but Monty Williams is a guy that, you know, has been through a lot, um, you know, in his life. And we've, that's been well-documented, real one off of just overcoming that alone. But one of the things that I saw, I forgot where I read it, but Monty is a really good example of a guy that, that is very self-aware and that will change what he, I, I was reading a story about how when he was in new Orleans, he would, um, you know, he had to learn to kind of let go a bit with his play, with his coaching style and things like that. And, you know, give the players more ownership, paraphrasing, but that's what I read. They just give more ownership of their roles and stuff. And he's done that with, um, with Phoenix. And he's one of the, become one of the, you know, the best coaches in the league. Um, in his second time around, um, really respected dude. So Monty Williams, and then also Chris Paul, man, who has been a guy that obviously one of the best point guards to ever, ever play the game. But injuries have have kind of eroded his postseason success, and um, you know he, he really wants it this year. And it was really cool to see him on that stage, um, you know, do something. So my three. My three were one of the weeks. It was Monty Williams, Chris Paul, and Willie Green for that visual. It was a, it was a very real one of the week moment. That has been another edition of Real Ones. Thank you, Jeremy, for for an eloquent pack watch. Um, hope you're enjoying Doctor Strange, buddy. Um, make sure you check out. We are here every Monday night throughout the playoffs. Um, but in the meantime, in between time, make sure you check out um, all of the the shows on our ringer slate that is weekends with Waz. that is this real ones program here that is upside high that is the group chat that is the answer with Sirit Sohi and Chris Ryan um that is the void ball the void with Kevin O'Connor I went on Ke- I went on the void Raja at some point you should go on the void I had a great time with Kevin O'Connor it was a great conversation on a myriad of topics love kicking it with him um, he says we're going to do the mismatch um, real one soon. So all, my, all, all the mismatch fans, make sure you go go flood their timeline to say we need the we need the collab. It's coming soon. Um, so make sure you check out the void. Make sure you check out mismatch. Make sure you check out. You thought we was going. You thought we wasn't going to keep the propaganda going. Did you think that just because Roger's just a little little sick sick? Nah, nah. Keeping the propaganda going. Make sure you check out our two C two with who Roger Bell, uh, Vallejo legend, the Crestside clown, CC Sabathia. Make sure you check out Black Girl Song Book. Season three is here. Stop playing. Who's it with, Rock? Mm, town legend. It's Danielle Smith. See you next Monday. How?